Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Talk shit. Recorded live. Take time to really lay this out. Likewise, John, and as far as John is concerned, John's gospel is void or absent of this particular uh, account of Jesus' life. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Have it on your iPod, on your iPad, on your iPhone, on your Samsung. If you have it on the screen, if you have it in your Bible, say, I got it. Yeah. Got it. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, or from Jordan, you'll read it as the scripture says, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered us, saying, It is written. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word that of God. The devil and the devil taking him up into a high mountain, that high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. <clears throat> if thou therefore wilt worship me, then bow down, fall down, bow down, and humble yourself under my feet, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from it. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said unto him, It is said that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all temptation, he departed from him for a season. God, most holy and righteous, you who is the kingdom, who is the giver of all life, who is the creator of all that is, you who sustain all things by the power of your word, you, O Lord our God, who is no respecter of person, who is the lover of the souls of men, who giveth his only begotten Son on the cross at Calvary, that those who would believe on him might have eternal life. It is in your name, Lord Jesus, that we come into your presence on this morning. We come now, O Holy Spirit, asking that you will take charge, that you will have your way in this sanctuary, that you will have your way in this earthen vessel, that the glory and the majesty might be of God through his Son, Jesus Christ, and through no other. Thank you that I am just a speck, a shell to be used by you. What a blessing you are, Father to even allow such a shell as me to be used by such a holy and righteous God yeah. as you. I 
Take it now for the speaking of your word. Educate us, build us up, empower us, strengthen us to go forth and to do your will. It is in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ that we pray and we give you glory. Amen and thank you, Father. Taking into consideration human nature and the negative influences that bombard the minds of people, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, informs believers that the physical weapons we use to conquer our natural enemy cannot be used to defeat our the enemy of our mind. But though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing all things to subjection. To what? To what? Obedience to whom? To obedience to Christ. So, Peter tells us that, let me back up just for a moment here. So, if we can't use our physical weapons to fight a spiritual battle, that means that our spiritual weapons are have limitations. That means that they are ineffective. That means they are good for nothing when it comes to spiritual warfare. We can't use conventional means to go after the enemy. We have the enemy of our soul. We cannot do it. No matter who we are, no matter how good you think you are, no matter how great and strong you think you are, you will never be able to use what you use with people. Simply cannot. Peter tells us that we must always be spiritually alert, watchful in our minds for possible danger or difficulties because of Satan. The enemy of our souls is stalking us like a lion stalks its prey to utterly destroy us. Be sober, he said. Be vigilant, he said, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, and 1 Peter 5, 8. Believers are being informed that there is an enemy of our soul. And to defeat this enemy, we must know what weapons that are at our disposal to help us defeat this enemy. Now, there are many weapons that are in the repertoire of God's armory, but I'm just going to deal with just a few here on today. So, but the weapons does the enemy, what weapon does the enemy used to attack people's minds. The enemy uses a number of weapons, but I want to focus on one, and that is temptation. Temptation is a solicitation to that which is evil. What is evil? Evil in the Greek is poneros, meaning sin, but much more than just simply sin. Of course, it's got to be much more than just sin. The Hebrew for evil is ra, and it comes from the root word meaning to spoil, to break in pieces, being broken and so made worthless. That's what the enemy wants us to be, worthless. That's why he comes at our minds, because if he knows that he can attack our minds and take control of our minds, we are blithering idiots, wandering aimlessly without any purpose whatsoever, and we refuse to listen to anyone, anything that anyone can tell us that will help us. That's what he wants. He wants us to walk around stupid, blind, and dumb, ignorant of the things that God has for us. In the New Testament, the Greek word, the Greek word, kakos and paneros, means the, the quality of evil in its essential character and its hurtful effect or influence. It is used in both physical and the moral senses. But while both kakos and paneros are different, there is frequent, they are frequently close, there is a frequently close relationship between them. In other words, much physical evil is 
moral evil. If you don't know what's right and wrong, if you're or if you twisted what's right and wrong, hey, you know, your mind tells you your body says, let's do it. How in the world, how in the world, and, and, and don't take this the wrong way, how in the world can a man say or a woman say that God made a mistake and at the same time say Christ is their Savior, their Lord? There's a problem there. You can't get salt water and sweet water out of the same spigot as they say. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't. Jesus said, you're going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't that cast out demons in your name? That do great work in your name. Don't get away from me. I don't even know you. How in the world can you say God made a mistake? God is perfect. He makes no mistake. What God purposes to do, that is what God purposes to do. What Satan purposes to do, that's what he endeavors to do. And if he finds a willing soul, that's the one he's going to take control over and start to twist your mind. You can't tell me that a few million people in America, out of over 300 plus million people in America, can rule and say that homosexuality and, 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 and same-sex union is acceptable. They got these idiots, excuse me, these spirits, these demon-filled spirits in human bodies walking around wearing girls, uh, uh, cheerleading clothes, and, and, and thinking they're coming out and they're doing something, they're making a statement. They are making a statement, all right. The devil's got their mind, they've twisted their mind, and now he's got their body, and they don't know what to do. They're so confused. God is not confused. He's not the author of confusion. The Bible says, let God be true, and every man be a liar. Devil messes with your mind. So all evil must be punished. Not all physical evil or ill is a punishment of wrongdoing. And what man? One example of that is Job. Job didn't do anything wrong, yet God allowed Satan to mess with his with his possessions, and when that didn't get Job to curse God and die, if his wife would suggest that he do, uh, the devil then went back to God, and God said, yeah, okay, you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. And all the things that Job went through, though he slayed him, yet will I trust in him. Naked I came into this world, naked I'll leave this world, blessed be the name of the Lord God, our Father, Almighty. No matter what the enemy tried to do, the mind of God of Job was so stayed on God that he was not moved by what he by what the enemy was trying to do. God knew Job's heart. So just because all evil must be punished. Not all physical ill is a punishment of wrongdoing. That's Job. And because Job stayed the course, he weathered the storm, he continued to cry out to God. God gave him double for his trouble. We've heard that before. You'll find that in Job. It is Satan who tempts people to do evil. In fact, Jesus calls Satan the tempter in Matthew 5, 3. And in verse 13, we're told that every person is tempted. No matter who you are, you are tempted. From the Garden of Eden up to this very day and in the days, months, and years to come before the Lord returns, the enemy will be using temptation to cause people to do evil, but there is a way to defeat the devil. God has given us weapons for defeating the enemy of our souls. What weapons has God given us to defeat the enemy of our soul? I've mentioned one. I'm gonna. I, I, I talked about there being many. I just want to deal with just a couple on today. Uh, see. 
Now, let me see if I can get you to shift your thinking a little bit here. See yourself sitting in front of your movie theater. Uh, you're, you're sitting in a movie theater facing the screen, and the, and the movie starts. On the screen is a man named Jesus, who was just, who just been baptized in the Jordan River, and as he sent out of the war, immediately he is filled with the Holy Ghost and is led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. Now, you see all of this. Then when you see the Jordan River, you see him coming out of the water. He's about 30 years old, getting ready to start his ministry. And he had to go to John to be baptized. And as he came out of the, the water, the Bible says that a form came down from heaven like the shape of a bell that landed on him. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he's led away into the wilderness during for 40 days. Now, during this 40 days, he doesn't eat anything. After 40 days in the wilderness, having eaten nothing, and, and at all, and is extremely hungry, as the movie continues to play, we see a sophisticated, slick-talking slug of a spirit slither up to him and began to sink him in three ways. Mm. Through physical need, through ambition, and through dominion. Let's take a look at Jesus' spiritual condition. Jesus' response to physical temptation. Jesus' response to being tempted with ambition. And Jesus' response to being tempted with ministry. Here's the first one. Jesus' spiritual condition. First one tells us, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. When I look at this, the first thing I realize is that a spirit is not being led into the wilderness, but a real person is being led into the Spirit. So the first point here, under this first point, is the realness of Jesus. The Spirit, as I said, doesn't inhabit Jesus as the Spirit. Inhabit Jesus as the Spirit. He inhabits Jesus as fully human. See, Jesus is not a spirit at this point, though he be fully God and fully man. At this point, Jesus is fully a human being. And the Spirit comes down and enters into him, and he is full. This means that not only was he physically fully human, but he was also, he also had a human mind. You might struggle with this, but in order for him to literally die for us, he first had to be like us in every way except sin. Hebrews 4.15. Wherefore, in all things, in all things, it behooved him to be made like us to his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of human beings. That's Hebrews 2.17. He could not have done any of this if he had not been physically fully human. Impossible. The Apostle Paul tells us that Christ made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and being made and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. Finally, Jesus was not made to appear human, but wasn't. He was not a fake, in other words, but he was a real, live person. Listen, a ghost does not have flesh and blood. And when, when eight days were accomplished, for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. A, 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 a ghost doesn't get circumcised. <laughs> a figment of your imagination doesn't get circumcised. This man was real. That's the realness of Jesus Christ. So that's the first part of his spiritual condition, is that we notice that he was real. The second part of his spiritual condition is that he was full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was fulfilled with the Holy Ghost. To be full means to be there is 
no more room for anything else. Meaning, every available bit of space is completely and utterly filled. To be full of the Holy Ghost means to be thoroughly committed to and under the total control of the Holy Ghost. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, your mind will not entertain anything or anyone but God. Your mind will be fixed on things on doing the will of God. You can be tempted, but you will not yield to the temptation. Why? Because you are full of God. Horatio Arcom wrote this hymn, Yield Not the Temptation. And in that first stanza, he said, Yield not the temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. Fight manfully onward, dark passions subdue. Look ever to Jesus, he'll carry you through. Ask the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you, he will carry you through. When you are full of the Holy Ghost, you walk in the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ. Not only does Luke tell us that Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost, but John tells us that the Father gave the Spirit to Jesus without measure. John chapter 3, verse 34. Note this observation before moving on to the third temptation, to the third temptation that the three temptations are going to follow. For 40 days, Jesus staying in the wilderness, and that 40 days represented, represented the 40 years that the children of Israel wandered aimlessly, well, not aimlessly, but wandered in the desert being tempted. So from Jesus' spiritual condition, we come to the three ways in which Jesus was tempted following his temptation in the wilderness. Number one, temptation through the physical, through his physical need. Verses two and four, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, Hey, is thou truly be the Son of God? Yeah, command this stone to be made bread. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, when you think about that temptation through physical need, temptation attacks your vulnerability. Satan will always use temptation to attack your vulnerability. vulnerability. Where your weakest point is, where you are the weakest at, where, where, where you are the weakest at, that's where he will come. After 40 days of eating nothing, you know that Jesus was thoroughly hungry. Satan will always hit you at the weakest point of your life, when you're down, when you're hurting, when you see no way out. Always. Guaranteed. He'll come to you and say, I thought your God would take care of you. Look at you. You're hungry, you're homeless, you're penniless. Where is he when you need him? If you were mine, I would never let you go hungry. I will be there to take care of you, everyone, your need. This is temptation, the temptation of Jesus. So his temptation was real, not a thing. No mistake. Make no mistake. The same subtlety. The very same subtlety that the enemy used in the Garden of Eden. The very same subtlety that the enemy used with God, with, with Jesus, and with Eve in the Garden is the very same way that he is coming to Jesus. And he was tempted anything that is not. That is not a lie. It's useless. It's useless. In the spirit realm, the angels obey God. In, 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 the, in, in the dominions and the powers and the principalities and the spiritual wickedness and high places, those are under the control of Satan. They are already corrupt. So it is impossible for this corruptness to infect and corrupt those who are submitted to God, the angels. But it's not so with us. So the angels have free will. We have free will as well. What will we do? Will we submit to Satan? We will, will we submit to the lies? Will we, will we submit to the temptation and the trickeries of the enemy? 
in, in the uh, in the forty second uh, chapter of Job. It says here, verse verse four. Job is asking God to hear him. He says, "Hear, I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me." Here's what Job said. Because when you talk about God, when you mouth off at God, God has a way of making you making you realize something. Job says, "I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself." and repent in dust and action. See, when you think you got it all together, God will show up and allow you to see his glory, his power, his authority, and that you see yourself in light of his purity and realize that you are filthy, that you are nothing but dust, that you are his creation. He is not your creation. Who are you to tell him what to do? Who are you to get angry with him? He is the God of all creation. His wisdom reigns in your life. His wisdom is the reason that we exist. His wisdom. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. But when you get frustrated, when you get confused, when you get angry, when you get embittered, because things are not going the way you want to, because God is not doing what you want him to do, you go out and you do it on your own. And that's where you mess up at. That's where you mess up at. Because we are impatient. God doesn't work on our time. He works on his time. But he says, I will trust him and his word. This is a lesson for you and I to understand, to, to receive, to learn. Jesus overcame the enemy's first temptation by Trusting in the word of God. The word of God is our spiritual food. Just as our natural body needs food, so our spirit needs to be nourished daily with the word of God. So in God's word, we have power and authority over every circumstance in our life. Loving this. Uh, by the way, I never did tell you the title of my uh, of this sermon, but it is the word for God's word defeats the enemy. It is God's word that defeats the enemy. Not your words. Not not somebody else's words. Look at that first one that Jesus spoke the word. That's what he used. And and, and when he when he when he said it. Because this thing really back a little bit, and he had to regroup and he had to rethink this thing as though he came at him another way. And that's what the enemy does. He'll always come at you another way. So, from Jesus' spiritual condition to his first temptation to physical need, we come to the second of the three ways in which Jesus was tempted following his temptations in the wilderness. Here's the second temptation temptation through ambition. Verses 5 through 8. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thy servant shalt thy thou serve. Listen, if you go to Matthew chapter four, this is the last temptation. This is the last temptation. And but here Luke writes it this way, uh, and really no difference other than the arrangement. So when I see Satan's temptation through ambition, he assumed, like every human being does, that he had he had an ambition, ambition to be great. When he's already great, he's God for crying out loud. So when you think of ambition, you think of somebody that, at least from Satan, when Satan gets you with ambition, trying to attack you with ambition, ambition is because. He is trying to, 
He is seeing you as selfish, and he has a selfish and he has an evil goal. And when we are ambitious for anything uh, that doesn't glorify God, that makes us selfish and evil. Our goal is selfish and evil because it has nothing to do with glorifying God. Satan three, see Satan thought that he could tempt Jesus by appealing to his selfish desire or ambition. Number one, Jesus had no selfish desire. And number two, Jesus' ambition was God's ambition. And God's ambition was God's plan. And God's plan was God's purpose. And God's purpose was to reconcile man to himself. What he didn't realize is that becoming human didn't equate with Jesus becoming an amnesiac. He didn't, he didn't forget who he is. He didn't forget who he is. You know, some of us, when we get around our friends, we, we forget who we are, and we, and we begin to look down and talk about other people, and we begin to mistreat other people, and we laugh at the jokes that they tell about other people because we think it's funny, but it isn't funny. We get it all, we get that, we get that deliberate and intentional amnesia about who we are and who we're supposed to be. That makes us hypocrites because we were, we're smiling in the face and laughing when they're putting people down and we're supposed to be lifting people up as Christians. And then, and then you come over here and you shout and go, hallelujah. God says, mm-hmm. I got some more work to do. I got some more work to do. You can't be smiling in my face and then a long time trying to take my place back, Clapper. You either is or you relate. You can't be both. My language. Uh, Jesus, my brothers and sisters, was and is and always will be God. He will always be God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the earth and the fullness thereof. He owns the world and they that dwell therein. He tells us that in Psalm 24 and 1. All things, Jesus says, that the Father has are mine. John 16, 15, 8. Everything belongs to Jesus. You can tempt me with whatever you want. God owns it all. Here's the second addition within that that ambition thing here. That is Jesus, Jesus receiving authority over the kingdoms of the world. He, here's a condition that Jesus had to perform in order for him to receive the uh, authority over the kingdoms of the world. And see, this is interesting because Satan knows that your physical life is temporary. So he can make these promises to you and you can live large, but as your body begins to break down, as your mind begins to break down, you, you, won't, you won't find pleasure in those things anymore. All of a sudden, they begin to vex you, and then you have no place to turn, no one to turn to, and you don't know God, so you won't turn to him. So you wither up, and you, you fall away, and you die, become dust in the wind, blows you all over the place, because you had no real life with Christ. So the condition, Jesus would have to bow down and worship him. That would be the condition. Only if you bow down and worship me. This is first of all stupid. Again, God is not a man that he would be that he would bow down and worship what he has created. That's the problem with people today. They choose to worship and serve the creature, the created thing, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is Romans 8, 1 and 2, or I'm sorry, 125. And here's Jesus' response. In reply to Satan's temptation, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Again, Jesus pulls in answers from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. The first answer was by turning the bread into stone with Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Man does not live by bread alone. And here, Jesus says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6.13, to be specific, he says, Moses, Moses warned the people about their attitude when they finally were to get into the promised land and achieve some glory. And make the temptation for them would be to praise, would be to praise themselves and to forget to worship God. And that's exactly what they did. By quoting Deuteronomy 6.13, Jesus showed that he would not make that same mistake. 
When we know the Word of God, when we are familiar with the Word of God, we will, the Spirit of God will bring it to our remembrance whenever we are faced with a particular situation and we'll know to walk away from it. And we'll know that it's God and not, not Satan. That's being in tune with God. Lord have mercy. So, he would give God the credit and not take it for himself. He would not fail as Israel had failed. Again, Jesus used the word to defeat the enemy in temptation. It's always going to be about the word. From our spiritual condition to his first temptation, from the spiritual condition to his first temptation, through the physical need to temptation through ambition, we come to the third of the three temptations, and it's our final one, which Jesus was tempted following his temptation in the wilderness. And here it is. Temptation with the timing of his ministry. Temptation with the timing of his ministry. What is your ministry? Are you now being attacked by the enemy mentally because of what God has called you to? Verses 9 through 12. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hand they shall bear thee up, that at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt worship not. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, there's an implication here. The first is the implication. Satan tried to get Jesus to adjust the time and structure of his ministry. Jesus knew he must go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. He understood he was a suffering servant. So Isaiah 52, 13 through uh, 53 and 12, the devil dared, the devil dared Jesus to jump off the highest point of the temple. Now it is said that when the temple, over, over, when you see the pinnacle, there is the kindred, the kindred, the temple is built up high on the mountain, and if you look out over the Kidron Valley, there's, you have the Kidron Valley below, so he didn't have just a small place to fall, a short distance to fall. He had a whole long way to go. He would have just went flat. That's what would have happened, flat. So the devil will get, try to get him to jump off of a perfectly fine building. For what purpose? What Satan is saying to Jesus is that the nation of Israel, seeing his miraculous protection from such a jump, would immediately accept him. To try and convince Jesus to do this, he quoted Psalm 91, 11, and 12, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Here, here's the second part of it. Jesus understanding the temptation and Jesus' response. Jesus understood that by receiving the people's acceptance with going to the cross would be to question whether God was really in the plan at all. So by not going to the cross, by accepting Satan's temptation, by not going to the cross, he is questioning God's plan. When we don't do what God tells us to do, in our rebelliousness, what we are doing is we're saying we're questioning God's plan for our lives. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Who the heck does he think he is? You think he's God? If he's God, he already knows how to take care of us. He I mean, why, why do I have to go through this stuff? Jesus went through it. Why can't we go through it? Why are we any different? He was, he was the incarnate God. He went through it. He didn't go through it for his own exercise. He went through it for us. He doesn't have a plan. So that was exactly the situation Moses was in that Moses wrote about in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. When Jesus quoted, it has been said, you shall not. Him, the Lord your God. Moses 
referring back to a time when the people wondered whether Jesus or whether God was really with them. Exodus chapter 17, verse 7. Go there real quick as we, as we draw no clear, draw to a close here. Uh, Exodus chapter 17, verse 7. Exodus chapter 17, verse 7. And it says, Got your iPads, got your iPhones, got your Bibles. And he called the name of the place Massa and Mirabah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? When you go through, when bad times hit you, do you abandon God? I mean, God is not a, a fair will of God. He is, he is when you through sick and sin, for good times or bad times. Don't care how hard the times are, he says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm always there. Uh, yeah, well, you ain't the one going through this. No, 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 no. No, he, he's gone through it all right. He's gone through it. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get it twisted. He's gone through it. But Jesus was confident of the fact that God was with him and that the Father's plan and timing were perfect. We have to be, as Christians and believers and trusters in Christ, we, by faith we must believe and with all our hearts that God's plan and timing for our lives is perfect. So Jesus would not fall for Satan's temptation. We should not fall for Satan's temptation. Here again, the word defeats the enemy. And we're told that after this, the devil left him for a season. So this means that it ain't over just because he left. It ain't over just because you won this fight. There's, there's more fighting to go. You just, uh, you just, you were just blessed of the Lord to get away with it. Now I want to point to one more thing, and, and, and just really just smack me between the eyes. And this is, this is, let's read this again. Now let me go back here because this thing is. I, I read it last night, and I was prepared. I was preparing, and I just, and I see the dress, and it just, it's just bothering me. It's really messing with me. So, Jesus, and he took Jesus up to the high mountain and showed us again all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. And the devil said unto him, verse 6, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them. Now, here's what he did with policy, for that is delivered unto me. How is it delivered unto him? He Stole it by lying to the children to Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve abrogated all of their authority, all of their position, and they gave it all to Satan when they when they followed when they believed the lie and trusted him. What are you giving Satan that they can now promise to give to somebody else? What have you given to him? What have you given into him for? See, when you give Yourself, the Satan, you give him a power and authority of what God called you to. He's taking taking your your power, your authority away from you. No, 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 no. He didn't say you gave it to him. He simply whispered in your ear. Like a little boy whispers in the little girl's ear until he gets what he wants and then he's gone. Or the the slick talking slugs, they stick it to us. Walking around, hey man, you know I, I I got this here. I got this here. Uh, what is it? Uh, I got this here. Um, PSG watch. Uh, man, I I mean I know it's one fifty thousand dollars, but you know if you just give me five hundred, I'll I'll just let you have it, man, and I'll just, just walk away from. It. Really, man? Really, fifty thousand dollars watch for five hundred? Whoa, man, that's a steal. And it just cracks. It wasn't <laughs> Yeah, it was. See, what do you give Satan? What do you give up? Why do you do it? Word. You need to hold on to the word. Listen, 
From Jesus' spiritual condition to his first temptation through physical need, the temptation through sufficient temptation was the time of his ministry. It was the time with the time of his ministry we talked about. Now, there are two principles that believers can glean from this text. Let me just want to conclude right here. Principle one is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. That's the first principle. If you are going to walk in the power and authority that Jesus walked in, you need the Holy Spirit. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, Acts 1, 8, uh, verse 8, uh, Acts, 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, 8, and John 16, 13. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall, shall he speak, and he will show things to come. Listen, you've got to have the Spirit of God. The first principle is walk by the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust and desires of the flesh. That means that if you walk by the Spirit, that means you have to give yourself completely and wholly over to the, to the, to the will and the use of God. The Spirit can't inhabit garbage. He can't inhabit a murky, miry mess, especially when it's rebellious. It's different when you give your life to Christ and he comes inside of you and he begins to cleanse the car rest and the filth that makes you out of you and makes you into a new creation. And here's the second principle, part two. Uh, principle two is knowing and understanding the word of God. You've got to know and understand the word of God. You will not grow in your spiritual walk if you do not know the word of God. God admonished Joshua not to neglect the, the study of the word of God. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Your success, my success, our success, the ministry's success is in the word of God. Nowhere else is the word of God. And then Paul said to Timothy, saying, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How can you apply the word of God rightly to your life if you don't know it? If you don't spend time in it? If you don't spend time praying? If you don't spend time thinking about it? And, and, and for God's sake, let me tell you this. Stop listening to everybody. Stop listening to everybody tell you what the word says. When you get a certain age, you need to thrive. You need to do it for yourself. You can't be relying on somebody else. Yeah, I'm the preacher. I want you to go. I'm telling you what the, what, what the, what the Koreans did. Go back and search the scripture. See if what I said is true. Ask God to reveal to you the truth. That's how you grow. That's how you become strong. Your mama can't tell you everything. Your daddy can't tell you everything. Your preacher can't tell you everything. Your friends don't know much and more than you do. And they truly can't tell you anything. You've got to get into the Word of God for yourself. That's right, Lord. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's right. And I'm through. I believe I'm finished after this. But that's right. Deuteronomy chapter 6. What does he say? Chapter 7, chapter 6, verse 7. He says, verse 6 and 7, he says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. That's the first thing. The word has got to be in your heart. That means it's got to be written in your heart. Here's the same thing. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by thy way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them uh, for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on, the, on thy gates. The word of God is just that important. 
your life literally depends on the Word of God, knowing the Word of God. You can defeat the enemy with the Word of God. You're not going to defeat him by, by coming at him like, like you would. Uh, what did you say to me? Like, like, like one of my our, our sons did. I just wanted to left his school and went to the other guy's. So I just wanted I waited for him. I just wanted to know what he was talking about. You know, I, I won't say which one, but, uh, yeah, the hot little guy, you know. It might honestly, I think, because I got a lot of uh, stuff. But uh, thank God for change. <laughs> when the enemy attacks your mind, trying to tempt you to go against the will of God for your life, you have to know the word of God, for it is the word that defeats the enemy. When you speak the word of God, God speaks it in the name. When you speak the word of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in faith in that name, things begin to happen. Things begin to open up for you. When he tells you God will not heal you, declare the word of God to him from Exodus 15, 26, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed, Isaiah 53, 5, and 2 Peter 2, 24. Speak the word of God. When, 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 the, when the enemy came, when, when the when, when, when the uh, when saints came in, Michael, it was, I think it was Michael, he said, the Lord rebuked you. That's all. He didn't get into a, 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 brain, a brain contest with him, an intellectual contest with him, because, you, because you're going to lose. You will lose. There are examples in the Word of God that teaches us how we ought to respond when the enemy comes after us. When you want to know how you ought to respond, look at how Jesus responded. When they accused him, when they tried to stone him, when they tried to trick him, when they tried to Lie, when they lied on him, when they arrested him, when they prosecuted him at night, when they sent before Pilate and used their influence, Pilate knew that he was on his last day for Caesar, and he knew that if a riot broke out, Caesar would take his life. And so instead of, instead of doing what his wife said, don't do it, don't have anything to do with that right, that holy man. No, 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 don't, don't have anything to do with it. She, he said, you know, you know, Claudius, Claudius, you know, um, I don't know, just throwing this out here. What am I supposed to do? And so he tried to exonerate himself and excuse himself from it by saying, by, by, by going back and, you know, having the water go to Washington and I'm innocent of this man's blood. And they said it would be on us and on our children. Remember, it is the word of God that will keep you and protect you. After hearing this word, there may be one of you without the Lord Jesus Christ. God is ready right now to turn your situation around. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you've been. It does not matter what you have done. Jesus is standing and calling you. If he called the apostle Paul, who consented to the death of the stoning death of Stephen, and who went and arrested people and brought men and women and brought them and imprisoned them, but put, put their faith in him, if he used murderers, if he used Robbers, if he used all manner of people, he can use you. He can save you. There is no sin, no wrong that you have done that the blood of Jesus is not pure steel against that thing. God is able to cleanse you from whatever it is that you have done. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus is calling you right now. Secondly, if you're looking for a church home and the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you to become a part of this ministry, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. This is the place I want to call home on my way to my heavenly home. Then we welcome you. Thirdly, if you're a backslide, you want that joy restored in your life. You want that relationship with God that somehow you fall and fell out of relationship with you. I'm here to tell you that God will restore the joy. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He will do it and he will do it now. If you're in need of prayer, the doors of the church are open. I believe that prayer changes things. My wife shared something with me this morning. I don't know if you want to talk to share it. But I, if you want to, if not, that's that's okay. But I won't I won't rain on her son. I won't take her her revelation. 
But I tell you, it is powerful. Prayer works. Prayer works. You have the mic right there. You welcome to go for it. Is it on? Yeah. Well, in my quiet time yesterday, I was reading in Jeremiah where God was telling him um, about how stiff-necked the Israelites were, and he told them, he, God told um, Jeremiah not to even, he's going to shut up, he, he's going to stick his tongue to his mouth and not even pray for the Israelites. And so I was telling pastors that was just a revelation for me because of the importance of prayer. Okay, because God is not going to go against his word. If God said in his word that this is the assurance that we have in him, and we ask anything according to his will, and we know if he hears, he would grant us the petition that, uh, he, that we ask of him. So prayer is so powerful that God shut up his mouth that he, could, that he didn't even want him to pray for the people. So if he prayed for the people, then uh, uh, God would honor that because prayer is so important. So, And I've read that scripture so, so, so many times before. But when I saw that, it was a revelation to me about the importance of prayer, so much so that God shut up Jeremiah's mouth so he wouldn't pray. Because if he knew that he did pray, and you know what? And the world, the world is taking those things, you know, they're looking at the Bible. And they are praying, you know, because I read once when I was reading, uh, I read a lot, and I read once where this man was on an airplane and he was sitting next to a person and the person said that they were praying against marriage, you know, that this person was a wicked and they're praying against marriages and different things like that. So there's a lot of things that's happening out in the spiritual world that we are not aware of. So prayer is real powerful because and God will honor it when it's according to his will, okay? So, so much so that he shut up his mouth. Amen? Wow. Listen, prayer is, prayer is a tool that is most most welcome uh, and should be most welcome and most practiced in, in the believer's life. And then, of course, finally, if you are a, a student away from your church home and you're attending college here, Join us on our watch care program where we can pray for you and teach you the word of God. And then when you finish your, your studies here, you can return home if that's where you're going to uh, uh, to your home church to assist your pastor in fulfilling the vision that God has called him or her to. In any of these areas, we welcome you. We thank you uh, for being here on today, for joining us by way of talk sheet. We are grateful to God for you. We are, we're, we're blessed that uh, you all saw fit to join us on this morning. Well, there be no one, no prayers, and no one coming to the altar. We thank you, Father. We do honor you for your word. We thank you for the blessing that you bestowed upon us. We pray, Lord God, that your word will, will continue to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We look to you, O oh God, as the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to no one else, that no one else is able to do what you do. God, we pray now that you will keep, and keep each and every member as we travel from this week and bring us back at the appointed time. We ask, oh Lord God, that you will increase the membership and attendance, Lord God, of our Bible study as well. Uh, by way of talk to you and nothing else, and any other way that you choose us to be Lord God. We thank you now. We honor you and give you glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, we prepare to give it is offering time. I Thank you. It is offering time. Uh, as, as we prepare to give our tithes and offerings, we want to give cheerfully. For the Bible says, God loves the person who gives cheerfully and shall generously provide all you need. Or, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over for others. Amen. So I should serve us at this time. Thank God for our usher. Thank you very much. Thank God for our young usher. Praise God.
Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.